Welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. So as I mentioned, we've been going through these foundational words, we call them here at Living Hope. And, and those words are primarily, they're, they're like... Um, a value of the church. When you talk about a value, what is that? I'm not talking about how much something's worth, and yet in some sense I am. When you define that word value, it's a person's principles or standards of behavior. You know, what they're kind of committed to in order to see something take place that they'd like to see take place, and that is their personal growth in the Lord as it relates to what we're talking about today. So we've been looking at values or foundational words, concepts of living life in the kingdom of God as a family together. And so we, we laid that foundation of understanding that the body of Christ is essentially a family, right? That's what God presents for us to walk in, presents himself as we looked at first and foremost as a father. Not, not the kind of earthly father that might come to your mind when we say that word, but a father that's perfect in every respect. And a father that has Deep desire for us to have relationship with him. And deep desire for us to grow up and mature in his family. And so as he presents himself that way, we are then called to walk with him. This thing might not work, Amos. I just noticed. I did. Thank you. I ah, appreciate you checking on me about that. It's saying it's dead, though. So if, if, you, if someone would go get my computer in case... Thank you, Amos. <laughs> Some, that way, in case this goes bad. Because I've got a lot of stuff I'm covering through here today, and I'm going to need some notes. No, but I tried to plug it in. I did. I think I did everything right. I just said, it's prob- this is probably going to die because it said low battery. Anyway... Let's just go on, uh, you know, hopefully we won't have any trouble because fortunately I know this material decently. <laughs> so uh, as we talk about this family concept that God's called us into as a body of Christ, you know, every family uh, should want to be healthy, right? I mean, not every family is. You know, I've carry, carried my words there carefully. We know every family is not healthy. I got news for you. Every Christian family that calls themselves by the name of Jesus is not healthy. Some of y'all been a part of them over the years, haven't you? We've all been in Christian circles that were supposed to be a family within the family of God that did not act much like a family. <laughs> Didn't treat each other much like a family. And so when we first started as a fellowship, we wanted to guard against that happening. How can we be careful to make sure that we do treat each other like a Christian family? How can we be careful that we understand what those principles are and in understanding those principles, we live them out together every time we're together and seeking to honor the Lord. So that's our goal as we come together as believers. Our goal to uh, somehow live out faith in Christ the way Christ would have us to do that. And what are some foundational values, core words, key words that will kind of constantly draw us together to that? So last week we looked at that uh, issue of knowing that we have to have liberty first and foremost or that's not going to happen. If we haven't been set free from the bondage of sin in our life, there's no way I'm going to relate to another member of the body of Christ the way I should. Because to be honest, if I don't have that liberty, I'm not even in the family. (laughs) 
But once I've experienced liberty from my sin by the power of Jesus Christ, and he's indwelt me and made me a new man, now I'm able to start being a part of that family, and I can li I'm liberated now to live the life that God's called me to live. And then the key way I do that is by following the example of my father who has defined himself as love itself. God is love and has called me to be a man of love or a woman of love if you're a woman. And, and in so doing, I'm going to love him based on the example of his love for me. And he loved me even in that while I'm yet, yet a sinner, he still loved me. And that should be my primary attitude toward those around me in the family of God. And so I touched on that, that phrase that, that we, uh, we have kicked around throughout years about not liking people but loving them. But the reality is we really ought to just love them and not like what they do. And if we can't get that out of our mind, it's going to be hard for us to really love people. And so we want to give ourselves to the kind of love that God has loved us with. You know, I had a mental flashback as Paul got up because he reminded me of Gene these days. And, and Gene used to always talk about having God kind of love. He wouldn't just say, let's have love for one another. He would talk about having God kind of love for one another. And we have to define that, don't we? We have to understand that differently than what the world's kind of love is. And so we talk about loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving each other as ourselves. That's a foundational key word, just like liberty, in the family of faith for us here at Living Hope. It's a value, a foundational word. So we're going to talk about a couple of other foundational key words today. And uh, we're going to start with the word growth. Now, we talked a little bit about that with kids. It seems like a very simple word, and we ought to all get it. We're supposed to grow as Christians. But how's that going to happen? How's that going to take place? What are the underlying factors that are, that are mandatory, really, for us to be able to walk in growth in the body of Christ? That I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be one of those baby Christians that sits in the pew forever. I mean, there's some Bible verses that are strong about this. You know I can't preach all the concepts of spiritual growth in this one sermon because i got a second word to deal with too. <laughs> but even just talking about all those things necessary to grow, it would take forever for us to cover that. But we want to hit some principles this morning, some basic principles about it, and, and then move on. So let's talk about that from a springboard of the verse we talked about with the kids. Just that reminder that, that Peter tells us, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter, instead of first. Now, Again, I don't know what's happened to these technical difficulty things. It's, it's my brain, I guess, is all messed up. I, I load the verses on Sunday morning just so I make sure I get them right. Didn't get them right. <laughs> Evidently, because I had all this done, I thought. But, but Stephen is sharp, and he'll be putting them up there as we go, so I appreciate that. Some of them I'm not going to give you enough time for, Stephen, because we're coming on a lot of tracks. So look at this verse. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a... Hey, why don't you consider doing this? Anybody know what, it, some of you English people, y'all know what a declarative statement is? A declarative statement means that when it's stated, it's not an option. <laughs> this is what you must do. If you have been content to stay as a baby in your faith and, and depth of growth in your relationship with God, 
as lovingly as I can, I want to be very truthful to you. You are walking in disobedience. You are rebelling against your heavenly Father's desire for you. He desires you, and I used to say it a little more bluntly than, than Peter did. He desires you to grow up. So now, we've got to talk about how we're going to do that. What does he say that we should be focusing on for us to grow up? I want to share three concepts that I think are clearly necessary to be able to grow up in your walk with God and your faith and relationship with Him. We're going to quickly go by these three things, but they are three concepts that I think that are mandatory. Fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to tell you, you can't grow in the Christian community unless you're walking in fullness of the Holy Spirit. In submission to the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how that takes place. Secondly, a commitment to study His Word. If you are not committed to walking in the truth of the Word of God and, and going to study the Word of God, you're not going to grow up. It's not going to happen. Growing up does not take place just by osmosis. Although iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, and you grow from the community, in some senses that takes place. But if you take a kid and you sit them right here and you never feed them, and everybody standing around them eats like a cow like I do, that kid ain't going to grow, are they? They're still not going to grow. Even though everybody around them is eating. Some people depend fully upon everything happening around them spiritually for their personal growth. They think if they come to the church and listen to the preacher preach enough, they're going to grow. That's fine. If they hang out with other Christians who love Jesus, then they don't have to worry about their own personal commitment. They don't have to worry about their own daily Bible study. They don't have to worry about their own prayer life. They're going to grow because they're hanging out around all those people. They will be some benefit, but there won't be depth of growth. There has to be some eating of your own of the Word of God. And then, then not just taking the Word of God seriously and learning it, but then there has to be a commitment to something else that nobody really wants to be fully honest about sometimes. Let me back that. Those are contradictory phrases. That some people don't want to be fully honest about. You can study the Word of God all your life, but if you don't have a commitment to obedience, there's going to be a problem. You're going to have head, art, head knowledge and not heart knowledge. You're going to be able to communicate it with people, but there's going to be no internal change. So along with the study of the Word, there must be coupled with that a genuine heart's desire commitment. I'm going to walk in obedience to the Word of God because I want to grow up. And that's God's call for us as we talk about this word growth. Let's look at the fullness of the Holy Spirit for just a second. What do I really mean by that? This, this topic is about as important as it gets when it comes to our relationship with God in personal growth. If the Spirit of God is not alive in you and calling you to deeper depths than your relationship with God, according to Romans in chapter 8, you're not His. He that hath not the Spirit of God is none of His. So this is a key issue, right? What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? Who has the fullness of the Holy Spirit? How do I get the fullness of the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about that. You know there's all kinds of concepts about this throughout the uh, Christian community. And, and a lot of uh, disagreement on how everything takes place. But we're going to simplify things today. And talk about some things that are absolutely 
undebatable about the topic. Some basic things. Someone has said years ago that having a, a, a Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit is like a brand new car in the garage with no gas in it. How'd that Corvette be without any gas in it? Wouldn't be some great way. <laughs> I mean, we can have a, a really nice, sharp car in our garage with no gas in it. Guess what? Just sits there. Looking nice, but has zero power and zero functionality and zero usefulness to its owner you understand the correlations there right in our walk with God how much God wants us to walk in power how much God wants us to be more than just a pretty picture to the world how much God wants us to be you you hear me say it almost every week that I close in prayer you're gonna hear me say that God would call us to be useful to the master under every good work that's my purpose and yet without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that cannot happen in Galatians chapter 5 13 through 18. Give Stephen just a second to catch up with us on that one because we're going to read those verses in the scripture. As I said, this concept without a doubt comes from Galatians 5. There's several places that we're going to touch on there real quick about it that's going to help us get a handle on the understanding of the absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit that we have to walk in as a believer. And we've got to understand that these flesh and blood bodies that we walk in cannot walk the Christian life in its own power and be successful. We can try to mimic it. <laughs> we can try to falsify it. But the power will not be there because we will be denying the power thereof. <laughs> Let's look at the scripture. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity of flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that's kind of where we wrapped up last week. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you, be not, or that you are not consumed by one another. I say this. Now you know if he says it, he said it because the Lord told him to say it. Which means what? The Lord said it. I say this. Walk by the Spirit. Now, I want you to listen to these words carefully because we have developed theologies in the Christian community that are, are contrary to this phrase. We, we create the, uh, philosophies and theologies like this. Well, I just can't help it. Well, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just you know, we talked about this last couple weeks ago, my identity. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, so I just can't help it. No, I'm a saint. By the power of Christ, living with challenges within the world, probabilities that I'll fall because of my humanity, I understand that. But I have inside of me the ability to do what I'm asked to do here by God or he wouldn't ask me to do it, right? I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That means every time my flesh wins, I know the reason it happened. Because I was not under submission to the Holy Spirit in that moment. I chose not to walk under the submission of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And therefore, I ended up walking by the flesh. Do you hear my phrase carefully there? I chose to not walk under the submission of the Holy Spirit. 
And as a result, I sinned. How crucial is my submission to the Holy Spirit to walk in a, in a relationship with God that therefore reveals His character to the world around me. So, walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. Boom. And how true is this verse? Think about this. I mean, obviously it's completely true. It's in the Word of God. But just think about this. The flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. The Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another. So sometimes I just can't help it and I fall. That's what the rest of it says, right? Listen to the Word of God. For these are in opposition to, the one, to one another so that you may not do the things you please. Why is that? Because I've been bought by the blood of Christ. Purchased and redeemed by the hand of God. I am owned and belong to someone else. Know I not that I am not of my own anymore. I am the Lord's. The Holy Spirit that dwells within me. He's the one in charge now. So that's why this verse is so strong. Why it says it's so blunt. So we, if we're going to grow in the kingdom of God, which we're called to do clearly, we have got to get a handle on this idea that we are to walk a submissive life to the Holy Spirit that dwells within me so that I can find myself more often than not and preferably as I grow in Him more and more often than not saying I submit to the Holy Spirit and I say no to the flesh. And when I fall on my face and the probability is that I'm going to, what do I do? What's the, what's the famous verse? You get up. What's the first part of that? Righteous man falls down how many times? Seven times. Some of you biblical people know that's kind of an infinity number, right? Falls down seven times, but he does what? Every single time. Gets back up again. Do you think he gets back up again with the intention of saying, okay, I'm going to get back up again so I can fall down again? If he's doing that, he's not walking in submission to the Holy Spirit. He's getting back up again with the intention to be submissive to the Holy Spirit and choose not to fall down again. But if he does, if it happens, the probability is he's going to again sometime in his life. As he does, what's he do? He gets back up again with the same intention. Do not throw in the towel on the sin that so easily besets you. I don't care how many years you've been battling it. I don't care how hard a struggle is it for you. Do not let the devil convince you that it's okay and you're just going to go on your merry way. That's just the way it is. That's just life. If you walk in that kind of mentality, you're letting the enemy win in that battle. And you don't have to let him win. He said, Brother Chris, though, I've been fighting this for 20 years. May be true. But keep fighting. Because in you is the power of God to grow you and mature you through that. Do you know that's how you grow? You grow by choosing to say, I will not throw in the towel. When you throw in the towel, you're essentially saying, I give up. Now I will atrophy in place. I will die on the vine in place. And what God's calling us to is to grow.
So here it is, how this happens through the Holy Spirit. Let's go on to the next verse. For the flesh, oh, I said that one, okay. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So here's this a key part of this in growth in the Spirit. This is not about your checklist of what makes you a good person or a bad person. This, because Jesus settled the price, right? I'm bought and paid for forever. I don't have to earn my salvation the rest of my life. If you're walking in the mentality, you're walking in a defeated attitude. Your, your price has been paid for. I mean, your sin has been covered. You are free from that now. No longer under bondage. You may mess up, but you in your mess-ups, your goal is to, to submit to God and walk in submission to Him under the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in victory. And so you've got to get to this place that you're not comparing your relationship with God with how good you do on your checklist. You see what I'm saying? If you do, here's what's going to happen. You're going to constantly be living under condemnation. Because here's what I'm going to promise you. Your checklist is never going to be perfect. Anybody in here feel like they've arrived perfect? You don't have any issues at all anymore in your life? There's no sin that besets you, and you know you've walked the last 20 years without sinning at all. Because if you raise your hand, I'm going to call you a liar. So we know, because <laughs> we know it's not true, right? But you can walk in a place of no condemnation. I'm going to tell you, I believe I'm walking there. Anybody else get this principle? You feel like you understand that? I am walking in a place of no condemnation. If I fall on my face, I do not get up at, at the point when I say the righteous man gets back up. I don't get back up and say, oh God, I'm such a mess. What a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm no good. You're never going to be able to use me. I'm such a piece of garbage. What is wrong with me? That's not the way I live. Instead, I get back up and I say, oh God, here I am, still struggling. Would you help me? I submit to you. I realize I've sinned. I don't want to walk in that. That's not who I am. You've called me away from that. I've, I've slipped in that area again and I don't want to walk there. Lord, would you help me grow up in that area to get victory over that so I can reflect your glory more, which is to reflect your character more in the world in which I live. And when the enemy, who does that job of condemnation pretty good, comes to me and says, you dirty piece of garbage, I say, you're a liar. That's not who I am. I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. I'm justified by what he did for me. I'm cleansed. I'm set apart as a holy one of his, his child. I'm indwelt by his presence. The very presence of God. I'm loved by him no matter what happens in my life. It's not okay that I fell, but I won't let you condemn me. Because I live in Christ who has justified me. You see the totally different way of thinking we're talking about. And as we get our understanding of that, then we can move on in growth. Or we can walk in condemnation. That's not what God would have us to do. Well, let me go a little bit quicker if I can. If I can, you heard that. <laughs> the question, well, let me just say this. What happens? What happens if you get this settled in your life? What happens is you begin to grow in boldness. Because the enemy's not having his way anymore. When I say boldness, I'm not saying that that means your personalities are going to change. We're all different people. My boldness and Connie's boldness is two totally different looking things. And that's okay. You get that? That's totally okay. Boldness is really a reflection of what? Who can help me here? What is boldness a true reflection of? Security. What's that? 
bravery. Somebody else said, I think, confidence. That's what boldness is. It's a reflection of internal confidence. So, I'll tell you what. I'm walking with a very bold woman, because I've seen throughout the years, tremendous confidence in who she is in the Lord. But the world might look at her and say she doesn't have boldness, because what does people in the world think boldness is? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Loudness. And so, so you'll hear those preachers that even are confused about that, and they think they're really preaching when they really throw it down loud. And now they're really bold in the Lord. <laughs> I know you've seen that, and <laughs> probably from me at times. But the issue is not that, is it? The issue is internal confidence. I know who I am. And so I can be bold in who I am in the Lord. So that's what God would have us do. That. That's a reflection. Acts 4.30, to tell you that? You can go back and look at it. Acts 39, oh, he's on top of it now. Did they show up on there or something? Oh, he found them. Thank you, Stephen. Acts 13.9 then gives a quick reflection as well. When there's fullness, there's understanding. Look at the, act, uh, the thing that happened to Paul here. In verses 9 and 10, you know, he sees this mess that takes place. And so then uh, Paul's referring, uh, re replying. He says, so Saul, who was, known, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him, on this guy. And he said, you are full of deceit and fraud and the son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? How did Paul know that? You know, he had an understanding of what was going on. He saw what the devil was doing and he called it out. That was not just in him. That was the Holy Spirit in him giving him revelation. Giving him understanding. We can go to a lot of places in Scripture that talks about it. One of the places that is talked about frequently in Scripture is being able to have a spirit of discernment. The knowledge of the Holy One that lives within you. And so there's many things that come with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to cover all those right now. It would take too long. Let me just say this. Let me ask this question. Who has the, this fullness of the Holy Spirit? Who are the people that have that? Does everybody in the world have the fullness of the Holy Spirit? They don't. Who even has opportunity to have it? It's the child of God that has the opportunity to have it. We'll cover that here in just a moment, but... In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus told his followers, you know, you need to ask God for this, because this is something you really need. In chapter 11, verse 13, he said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your, ch to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You need to ask God for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, well, I thought he's in there. He is. We're going to cover that. But there, there are times that he gets what? What are the words? He can be resisted, quenched, grieved. Three places in Scripture we're reminded that that can happen. And so that takes place in a lot of people's life, and it messes up their growth ability. In Galatians chapter 5, again, let's go back there. I told you we'd have a bunch of basis out of that. Verse 19 through 23. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. In other words, it's pretty easy to tell when you're living according to the flesh and when you're living according to the Spirit. And so I ought to be able to do kind of a, kind of a um, checkup test to see how I'm doing. Well, here's the deeds of the flesh. They're immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Well, we could break all that down, right? Envying, drunkenness, carousing. I love this part. You holier than thou people. 
Because you just got covered in this next phrase. And things like these. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can define that you're not in one of those other words. And you say, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not in one of those. Well, you just broke and crossed the line because you're walking in pride. So therefore we have, and things like these. <laughs> that we don't walk in submission to our flesh. Of which I forewarn you, he says, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, that's the lifestyle of people who are not submitted to God. Now, I'm not saying that you won't slip up in one of those, and I don't think that's what he's implying here, that if you slip up, you're not going to get in heaven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this is the lifestyle of those who are not under the control of the Holy Spirit. The reason I know that's what he's saying is because the very next few verses he says, and this is the lifestyle of those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. So let's go on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, oops, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Now here's that same similar concept that he did just previously. He listed a bunch and then he said, and things like these in case you're looking for a loophole. And now he lists a bunch and the last one happens to be the thing that he'll cover that closes the loophole. <laughs> and self-control. Not being willing to let your way just fly any away. But you're actually your self-control is under the control of the Holy Spirit. And against this stuff, there's no law. In other words, do I have to be worried about the legalistic code of a Christian if I'm walking under submission to the Holy Spirit? How many times are you going to sin... When you know you are 100% under the control of the Holy Spirit in that very moment. In that very moment, I'm not going to sin, am I? How many times is the Holy Spirit going to lead you into sin? Let me say it that way. Never. It's never going to happen. So I know when I'm falling into that trap or falling into that mess, it has something to do, without a doubt, about whether or not I'm walking under submission to the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. So let's, let's go to that last issue because that's the issue that gets debated so much in the kingdom of God. How do I get this fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, for me it's pretty clear as you look at Ephesians 1.13 that all of those who are in Christ Jesus have the Holy Spirit. He's there. In this verse it says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you. If you're one of those people that says, Well, I don't think I have the Holy Spirit in me. Well, if you fully believe that, you're probably none of his, according to Romans. That's what it says in Romans. He's not being led by the Spirit, it's none of his. But if you struggle with the awareness of whether or not you have the Holy Spirit fully in you, that's a whole other issue. We're going to talk about that for a second. In the sense of being under His control. You might be struggling with whether or not you're walking under His control. But if you're truly His and you're confident you've really surrendered your heart to Jesus, coming with that is a package deal. <laughs> God doesn't diversify Himself in the sense that He holds part of Himself back. He moved into your life and took up residence. Man, that's big. That's deep. That's why I can say stuff like, I know he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Why I can say, I know that he's always with me no matter what I'm going through. And on and on and on we could go. His presence is there. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. But, 
Sometimes we grieve, we quench, we resist. Sometimes we get distant. That closeness and awareness and sensitivity to him wanes. And we find that even though he's there, he's not fully in control. We've got to address that then. How do we come to grips with that? How do we find ourselves back where we ought to be under his control? I think there's a few things that have to be true for that to happen. It's got to be something you really want, first of all. <laughs> I want you to be honest with yourself and think about that. Do I really want him in control? Do you know if he's really in control, he might not allow you to do some of the things your flesh wants to do. They're in opposition to one another. Do you really want him in control? And if you don't really want him in control, that's a whole other issue, isn't it? Why don't I? What's causing me to not want him in control? Do you think that's the heart of God in you that wants that? It's not. You've got a spiritual battle you're going to have to contend with. You've got to fight that spiritual war so that this desire to be under his control is genuine and real. I'm talking about the person who knows they're the Lord's. The enemy can fight you to not want to be under the control of the one that you say you love. Anybody ever experienced that? I mean, that's real life, isn't it? And so we got to understand that and fight the fight and the battle of the enemy and say, hey, I'm not, I'm not fighting, I'm not going to submit to you. Romans 7, 4, 7, and 8 says that I want to submit to God. Resist the devil knowing that he will have to flee. And then I'm going to be singularly minded, not double-minded, and be under control of the Holy Spirit. So now I'm back at the place that I can grow because I want to grow and I want to be full of his Holy Spirit. And so then simply, I just choose to ask God to fully control me once again. Ephesians 5.18 And do not be drunk with wine for that's dissipation. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a very interesting verse of Scripture. There are those who will say, we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in when we come to Christ. He seals us, we just talked about it. Same book. I just referred to verse 1. Now over in chapter 5, I just referred to chapter 1. Now we're over in chapter 5. Same author, same letter, same context, who is now saying there is a volitional decision on your part to choose to be full, filled with the Holy Spirit and not to be drunk with wine. In other words, be controlled by the Spirit of God. What do you mean be controlled? There is some sense of your volitional submission to that that will enable you to experience that. It's got to be your desire. It's got to be your commitment to walk in it. That would be the same thing. There must be a commitment to walk in it. Galatians 5.24 For those who belong to Jesus Christ and have crucified the flesh with its passions and evil passions. See, there's a decision that I'm going to walk in the crucifixion of my flesh. Ephesians 5.15 See then that we walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. All this simply to say what we've said three or four times already. I don't want to quench grieve or resist the Holy Spirit in me that is guiding me to be what God wants me to be. See, we're really summing it up with this as I wrap up with this concept. We're choosing that we are going to walk in a constant surrender 
so that we might constantly be filled and refilled even at times. Even in, book, in the book of Acts, you see that among the disciples. Did you, did you ever read those things? I mean, here's, here's an example in chapter uh, uh, 13 of Acts, verse 52. Where the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. It was an ongoing process in their life. Another verse, it'll say that they were again filled so with this idea, this is going to be a continual process for me. Now, I'm going fast through the rest of the growth part now, okay? So I know that one key component is, I've spent a lot of time on this first point. I know that because I realize how crucial it is. How I can have the very power of God in me and end up not walking under his control. And it stifles me from growing. But once I've got that settled, and I'm going to choose to walk and surrender to that, there is an explosion of opportunity to grow deeper in the ways of God, to be a greater reflection of His glory, uh, an ability to be that light on the hill that He wants me to be. And I'm going to find myself at times doing what Jesus said, simply going to the Father and say, Father, I need to be I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not in the sense that I don't have him, but I know he's not in my extremities. <laughs> I mean, I have somehow quenched, grieved and resisted. Please bring me back to that place that I hear your voice, as Jesus said, and I follow you. Period. You know, everything I've just said might be the end of the sermon for some of you today. It might be the same thing that you need to settle that issue today. So pack it in your bag when you go home. Unpack it again. See where you are on this issue. Because it will make the, every bit of difference to the rest of what I'm going to say. Okay? So what is the rest of it? We talked about studying the Word. I mean, we could spend a lot of time on that. But let me just read your verse of Scripture. 2 Timothy 2.15. Again, what kind of statement is this? It's a declarative statement. This is a request of you by God himself through the Holy Spirit who placed it in the heart of Paul who wrote it in obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's God's request. It's not Paul's request. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. And we could go to many other places I'm just using this one right here because it's so crystal clear for us. And then, finally, as we wrap up growth, what has to be there? Fullness of the Holy Spirit, if I'm going to grow. What has to be there? Commitment to His Word, or actually first study of His Word, and then thirdly, commitment to obey His Word. Can you have number one in this and not have number three? Can't. You can say you have number three, and if number one's not there, it'll never happen. You follow me? Number one, being full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, being commitment to obey the Word. You can say you have a commitment to, work, to the Word of God. You know, I've heard this for 40 years among the body of Christ, and in some circles talking to people that I know wasn't walking in obedience to the Word. But I believe the Bible cover to cover. How Love Church used to say it really clearly. You practice daily what you believe. 
The rest is just religious talk. Do you really believe? If I've got number one, fullness of the Holy Spirit, number three is coming along. And I might be growing. I might be having the various levels of maturity in the process of getting there. But if I've got number one, number three will never go out of my head. I will always have a desire to grow in the ability to walk in obedience to the word God reveals to me. You will never find commitment of obedience to the word of God conflicting with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Those who will tell you they hear the Spirit of God telling them to do something, but it in some way is conflicting with the Word of God and commitment to it, I'm telling you, they're messed up. They will never conflict with one another. The Holy Spirit will always call you into obedience to the Word of God, and obedience to the Word of God will always walk congruently with submission to the Holy Spirit. They will be together. But there has to be that commitment. Jesus made it clear even before he left the earth, before he ascended. In John chapter 15 verse 10, he told his disciples, If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my life just as, my father kept, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I've got four or five other verses here I could share with you right now just about this concept that Jesus was crystal clear about. About we must make a commitment that if we're going to grow, we're going to keep a commitment to obey his word. Let's talk about the next thing today. Because I think it's kind of an outgrowth of walking in growth. <laughs> that sounds repetitive and I understand that. But, you know, we, if we're going to grow, we're going to fulfill that verse of scripture that I talked to the kids about a minute ago. That idea that I understand that the gifts that God has put in my life are really not for my life. But for, they're for the rest of the body. And that as I've received gifts, I'm going to walk in those in service to the rest of the body. So let's, let's just be reminded of that from what the scripture teaches us. Let me just say this before we go any further. This, can I give you a, well I'm going to give you. <laughs> I'm going to give you my personal awareness perception as I've watched the body of Christ for 44 years now. This is what I've seen, I think without exception. Coupled with maturity and growth, I have always seen a commitment to service. Somehow in the body of Christ. Now, don't let somebody else define the, all the ways of service. They always look like this. Some people think service is just when you're on a committee at a church. That's not true. I'm talking about service to those around your life and who God called you to serve in your life in many, many ways. You cannot grow as a person unwilling to serve. By the way, one of those ways can be in the body of Christ too, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about in a church family. It's going to be in the body of Christ, but I mean even in a church family. That's, when there's gaps, there's ways for us to fill those. But I'm just saying to you today that if you want to grow, like we just talked about, one of the agencies of that also is service. And so that's why it's another one of those buzzwords for us. Why it's another one of those foundational words, one of those value words. We recognize here at Living Hope that one of the key components of growing up is learning how to serve. Learning how to be useful to the master, to every good work. Learning how to be committed to that concept. 
in Matthew 20, 28. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, you want to be like Jesus? Do you really? I mean, we all say that, right? I want to be like Jesus. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Illustrated it in being a ransom for many. Are you illustrating his character in you by being willing to serve? You say, well, Brother Chris, I'm not a teacher. I didn't ask you about that. A thousand ways to serve. Brother Chris, I'm not a preacher. I didn't ask you about that. A thousand ways to serve. I mean, if you think you don't have any way to serve, come talk to me. I'll find you one. I'll help you with that. We can do that, can't we, Pastor Derek? We can plug them in somewhere. <laughs> we'll find a way. Because God wants us to grow in service. Well, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, God gave us a great example of that. The body of Christ. Reminds us on, I'm not going to go through all this text right now. I'm just going to bring to your remembrance because I know you've heard it preached on and read it many times. In the body there's many members. None's more important than the other. One without the rest is in trouble. The one that thinks it's the most important without the least important is really nothing. I mean, this is the context of that whole text. And the reality is we need every single member of the body. The ear cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. Yes, you do need me. <laughs> a lot of times I hear people talking about, well, you know, uh, I, I don't necessarily need to be in the church, but the church needs you. Have you ever considered your absence from the body is not about you being able to survive without the body, but that when you're absent, the body is suffering because you're absent? That's a very selfish thing. God's called us into service one to another, and the Word's very clear about it. Every person in the body is good at something. All of us have gifts well beyond the list that are listed for us in many places. God is unique in his gifting. We have examples given to us, but there's a thousand ways God has gifted each of us. And we have to find a way to be serving the body of Christ. And really, for us to grow as a family, we've got to be serving one another. I need to find a way to serve you. You need to find a way to serve somebody else. We need to be constantly in service one to another. You say, well, I don't have time for that, Brother Chris. I'm too busy. You're just too busy. If that's true. Because you're going to suffer. So you've got to find a way. I'm not telling you you've got to be the guy that puts in 40 hours a week in the office sitting next to Brittany. <laughs> I'm just telling you you've got to find a way. That you know you are focused on serving God by serving others. And as that happens it becomes a maturing tool of God in your life. You find a person that's learned how to lay down their life for somebody else, serve somebody else honestly and genuinely, you'll find a person that's also growing deeply in their walk with the Lord because they know who they're serving. It's not just the person. What did Jesus say? If you've done it to what? The least of these. Who'd you do it to? You did it unto me. And so that's something that the Lord encourages me about sometimes when I'm in the midst of serving, th uh, in a serving situation. I don't know about you, but sometimes you get tired, right? And then the Lord reminds me, hey, don't forget who you're serving here. Ooh, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. I sat around the front room and uh, 
front every Thursday I meet with some guys and last week we we're talking about why do we have a relationship with each other why do we do this for 30 some odd years and and so everybody was giving their opinion and we all had great examples of stuff but the Lord just told me to go ahead and share something he had told me years ago about why I go all the time and I just said guys it's going to sound kind of mean you know it start out but it won't at the end but honestly sometimes I get up and I just don't want to come I drive 40 minutes to get here I get here 30 minutes ahead of everybody else so I can make a coffee doors are open you know and here we're meeting and sometimes I just don't want to come and then the Lord reminds me I'm not coming for you I'm coming for him so that I can somehow be a blessing to you and I realize even if you, you don't realize it that you're coming for the same reason <laughs> and I'm getting a blessing from you we need each other even when we think we don't we really do John 13, 55, or 35 says, By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And one of the greatest ways for you to express your love for another is by laying your life down for them and serving them. Growth and service. Two more foundational words. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section, or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.